so excited to have you uh, here on your show. What topics are you going to okay. take us today? Uh, I think uh, this morning we'll start off on, you know, with winter just around the corner, the bees are out, you know, trying to make honey. To uh, Unlike what people may think that, you know, bees are only around to make honey for us mm-hmm. to enjoy. Uh, but bees actually do their job all spring and summer long because that way they can have food to live off of during the winter. And uh, and so they're busy right now going around and foraging flowers and getting ready for the winter. Yeah. And a couple of really cool shrubs that are in bloom right now. So most things are beginning to go out of bloom because they're winding down, getting ready for the winter. Yeah. And so some of the, the you know, three shrubs that are in bloom right now uh, that w- would be a wise choice to work into your landscape. They're all three very drought tolerant. Two of them are native, and one is a southwest native, and one is the rabbit brush, and you'll see that in full bloom right now. That's a native shrub. It's it a yellow flower, about the size of a number two uh, pencil eraser. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so it's a small bloom, but it grows in profusion. Yeah. So the whole plant is just a massive yellow right now. And they're going to grow to roughly four by four. And again, they bloom this time of the year. So it gives them, the bees, an opportunity to feed on something before they go down for the winter. And another native plant is called turpentine bush. And it's going to grow roughly two by three. And it'll bloom twice a year. It'll bloom in the spring, then again in the fall. And same kind of a yellow flower, uh, but, you know, smaller plant. And then the third one is called Desert Broom. Oh, wow. And Desert Broom uh, will bloom again in the spring and also in the fall. And there's a few varieties. There's one variety that's going to get roughly around 10 by 10. It's evergreen. Oh, wow. So if you're looking for a good screen, Rather than thinking about using oleanders, you might think about using desert broom because, one, it's more drought tolerant. It's evergreen like the oleander. And the flowers are they're not as showy as oleanders. They're a white flower. Mm. Uh, and, again, they're about the size of a number two pencil eraser. <laughs> but they grow in a cluster. And, uh, and, but the bees are it's like a bee magnet. Bees are all over it. Oh, wow. So it's a great food source for the bees and there's another variety that's going to get around four to five feet high and wide so depending upon the height you're looking for as far as the hedge whether it be something they need something low or if you're looking for something that's going to be a screen either a screen from the neighbor or you wherever you need any kind of a shielding or it might be a windbreak um, then definitely uh, either one of those two varieties whether the four to five foot or the ten by ten foot, uh, again they're they're evergreen and they work out really well. When you first put them in, they're going to be kind of slow to get established because what they're doing is they're putting all their energy into a taproot, and once they start getting their taproot established, then they start putting new growth on. So once they get rooted in, uh, they you're going to get at least two feet a year out of them, and sometimes even more. So they do have a good growth rate, and uh, so those are all those are three shrubs that would be worth thinking about. Uh, again, 
not only do they work out well in the landscape, if you're going to go with a drought-tolerant landscape, uh, but they're also a good food source for the bees. And as I mentioned in past programs, Einstein, you know, the, the bees are in peril right now worldwide. There's a huge decline in the bee population oh, no. worldwide. And, uh, and Einstein theorized decades ago that without the honeybee, that the window of mankind's existence would be roughly five years. Oh, That's wow. how important the honeybee is wow. in pollinating all the food that we end up eating. So, you know, the bees aren't just bees. I mean, the bees are linked to our survival as well. And when you look at a lot of the insecticides that are being used now on crops, and you're looking at GMO crops, um, there's a huge decline in the bee population. Oh, no. And so whatever you can do in your own landscape to feed the bees, then you're doing your part for the survival of mankind yeah. and for the bees and uh and you know a lot of people have a adamant fear of bees because they <laughs> sting i am one of them you know yeah. and and the thing is is if the bees get to know you uh then they know that you're not going to harm them it's kind of like the neighbor oh. dog or whatever you know oh. that once you gain their their trust huh. As an example, you know, I put a tray of water out for the bees, and I put out organic sugar water. Mm-hmm. And when I first started doing it years ago, you know, if I put it out in the morning, there were hardly any bees there. But if I came home during the middle of the day, then the saucers almost drained oh, wow. from the amount of bees that are on around the saucer, you know, drinking the sugar water. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'd go ahead and make up another batch, and I'd go to pour it into the saucer, and literally there were so many bees that were hovering around that from my elbow to my hand, you couldn't even see my skin. I was covered in bees. (laughs) And at first it really freaked me out. (laughs) And... uh, but uh, they were just landing on me because I was pouring oh, the water in there. My gosh. And when I got done, I'm thinking, well, how do I get them off? Yeah. You know, and so rather than making any kind of a jerky move, I just gently, you know, rotated my arm a little bit and they all flew off wow. and then landed back down around the rim of the saucer to get their, their sugar water. And then I real, and that's happened several more times over the years. Wow. And uh, and so, you know, basically they knew what I was doing, and that what I was doing was to their benefit, and so they didn't bother me. Hmm. But then there's times when I'm out feeding my turtle, if I'm picking uh, desert willow flowers, and there's always bees flying around the flowers. And sometimes there'll be a bee down inside one of the blooms that I'm not aware of. And uh, oh. so every now and again I get stung because oh. I, didn't, I didn't know the bee was in there. And so he reacted mm-hmm. because he took me as a threat mm-hmm. and then he stung me. And so the moral to this story is <laughs> if you do feed the bees, now you don't want to plant a shrub that's going to be a known bee attractant 
near your back door or your patio, things like that, where you tend to hang out in the morning or the evening. But uh, be, you know, shrubs that have a high uh, bee attractant uh, capability, then you can plant them in the outer areas of the landscape so that way they'll be there to be fed on, but they're not going to be hanging out right around your back door or your patio. Yeah. And, um, and if they do buzz around, then, again, uh, like any other creature on Earth, if they get to know you, then everything's cool. And uh, so people may <laughs> be thinking I'm full of you-know-what, but it's true, though. You know, and I've seen this over the years. That's like even if we go out to prune a shrub uh, on, a, on a maintenance account and it's you know, full of bees— I don't just go out there and start going through with the power tremors and start, you know, going through. I go through and I talk to them hmm. and I tell them what I got to do. You know, I got to trim I got to trim the shrub and you guys are, you know, in the way. I just want oh. you to know what's going on. <laughs> and uh, and so then I'll kind of shake the bushy a little bit to stir it up mm-hmm. and to know that I'm, you know, coming in. And uh, in... 37 years of doing this I've never been stung by a bee on the job oh and uh, and I'm around you know shrubs with bees all the time and it's just a matter of you know respecting them and talking to them Mm. and um and then you can all just coexist and get along but if you have a you know some people have a negative reaction to a bee sting Mm. so if you do have a uh, negative reaction to a bee sting and you can get ill from that then you got to take a little more precaution but the average person that would get stung by a bee um, sure it hurts but you know, you're not going to have any kind of a negative reaction and people that do get stung by a bee if you take some on uh, the cotton ball get some apple cider vinegar and put it on the sting location um, then that'll take the pain out of the sting relatively quickly. Oh, wow. And so you don't have to live with it for the next couple hours. You just put some apple cider vinegar on there, and that'll take care of it. Huh. Okay. So, food for thought. Yeah, that'll definitely make me... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a try now because of what you said. <laughs> right. And if any of you guys have any other questions around <laughs> gardening, you can call 760-366-8471. I want to mention, too... When I was on the road this week, I found some really nice white sage and some nice creosote. So if you're in the market for white sage or creosote, I found some exceptionally nice of each one, and I brought them in. And I'm going to go back and buy more creosote. I just had a full load, so I squeezed in what I could. Um, But I'm going to go back and buy some more, hopefully this week. But, uh, you know, creosote... People see them in the, out in the wild all the time. They don't think anything about them. Um, but there again, people oftentimes, I'll get a call and they want to plant uh, a hedge between them and the neighbor, be it for whatever reason they have junk in their yard or the kids make too much noise or whatever. Um, and I'll go see the customer and they've got a lot of creosote on the property between them and the neighbor. And but they're kind of thin and sparse, and so they want to put in a oleander hedge. Mm. And I'll tell them, well, you know, you have enough creosote right here already. 
that if you just start watering the creosote, they're going to get really thick and full and dense to where they'll be as dense and full as an oleander, and you won't even see the the neighbor, and uh, and it'll be less water than the oleander, and it'll look natural because it is natural. Yeah. And so if you wanted to, there again, you know, plant a hedge or you have a spot where you wanted some kind of a, something green to kind of block whatever, then definitely creosote, even though you may have some on your property, but if you do water creosote, they get really thick and full. And if you buy creosote, then again, you know, they're very drought tolerant as time goes on, but you want to give them water initially. Uh, but they, again, they're going to grow at least two feet a year. And they're very thick, very full. And I don't know of anybody who doesn't like the smell of creosote after a rain. <laughs> it just permeates the air. Yeah. And it smells really, really good. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so if you don't have any creosote on your property for whatever the reason, uh, then you can take the opportunity. And again, they usually run small. And I was floored when I found these as to how nice they are. And so I'll be uh, getting some more. So just a heads up, if you're looking for white sage or creosote, I've got some really nice ones. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. So, yeah. anyways, and with that, I wanted to say another thing too, you know, with us being in a drought the way we are, with uh, winter coming on, the water's already cold in the morning. Mm-hmm. So when you go to take your bath or your shower, uh, mainly your shower, people t- or if you're going to wash something in the kitchen sink, the water comes out cold, and people will just turn the hot water thing on and let it run for a bit until the uh, you know the cold water is gone and the hot water comes on, and you could have several. Sometimes you know this time of the year, depending upon where the faucet is in relation to where the hot water heater is, you could have anywhere from two to five or six gallons of cold water coming out because the hot water is coming through the pipe, but it has to flush out all the cold water in the pipe first. And that's all water that's just going down the drain. Mm -hmm. And so it's especially so this time of the year because of the cold water sitting overnight and the pipe's getting cold. And so if you just get a five-gallon bucket of water and put it uh, under the tub faucet and not have the shower part on but just turn the water on and put it on the hot cycle and open it up and then fill that container full of water and when it starts getting hot then go ahead and shut it down you know take the bucket out and then that bucket can be used for outside potted plants or anything else you have in the yard Um, so instead of having that water just be wasted going down the drain that can all be watered to Again, either do house plants or outdoor plants, whether yeah. it be in the ground or in a pot. And it's a, you'd be amazed, you know, even if you're by yourself, but if you have a family, you'd be amazed at how much water you could save and reutilize just by using that water out of the kitchen or out of the bath area uh, rather than just letting the cold water run until it gets hot again. Wow. So something to think about. Yeah. And it's so easy to do. Yeah. You know, and and when you have it, you go out there and and there's almost something always that needs watering in your yard. Mm-hmm. And you just take it out there and water it. And if you don't have anything to really water, if you have a saucer 
for the birds to get a drink of water. Mm. Then you can fill that up. Yeah. Or if you have animals outside, you can pour it into the animal trough for the, yeah. their water. So there's always an area where you can use that water rather than just letting it go down the drain and be wasted. Yeah, sugar water for the bees. Sugar water for the bees, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, something to think about. Yeah. And you love people, don't, they just get in there and they're getting ready to go to work or whatever, you know, and they just turn on the shower and, and let it run for a minute and they don't really mm-hmm. think about what the other uses are for that water that yeah. is just being wasted. And, you know, given that we're in a water shortage, these are all things that you could definitely do to hopefully make an impact. You know, if you do it mm-hmm. and then you figure the whole neighborhood does it and then the entire Morongo Basin did that and then the state did it, how much water are you looking at wow, yeah. that gets wasted every day just going down the drain, letting the water run until it gets hot? We don't even realize. You know, it's yeah. tens of thousands of gallons, a, you know, a day. And, uh, and so... You know, just food for thought. Yeah. Gosh, and if you've thought of any thought of any other questions, we'll say it one more time. 760-366-8471. So I wanted to mention, too, today, uh, you know, a lot of people, and this has to do with plants because it has to do with seeds and nuts. And, you know, a lot of these uh, trees, like uh, walnuts, almonds, uh, cashews, pistachios, you can grow all those here in the high desert very well. They do very well. Really? And uh, and I don't think anybody hasn't heard of the fact that, you know, eating seeds and nuts are very good for you as far yeah. as health. Yeah. But other than people eating peanuts now and again, uh, not many people get into eating a whole lot of seeds and nuts because, I mean, they'll do it for a snack, yeah. But they don't really get into it with any real, uh, you know, thought of, you know, consuming enough to really be beneficial to you other than just a quick snack or, or cause, you know, I mean, av- on the average person, if you were to eat the amount of seeds and nuts that would be really beneficial to you, um, life would be pretty boring, you know, because it's kind of hard to eat seeds. <laughs> and uh and you know and kind of boring eating nuts all day long on and off yeah and uh so if you're into the thought of eating seeds and nuts but you don't know how about going to do it in a simple way uh where it's not going to take you out of your normal routine and you're not going to be eating seeds and nuts all day long um this is something that i'll share with you uh what i do as an example uh, some of the health benefits are just some of the things, like as an example, walnuts are extremely high in vitamins and minerals that benefit the entire body. Um, almonds are nourishing, and they're very good for building muscle in your body. Uh, Brazil nuts are excellent for just all-around nutritional deficiencies in your body. And I can, that's, I'll just cover a couple of things. Uh, chia seed, and not many people really know what chias are other than this time of the year, uh, you see those chia pets on TV <laughs> where you put the chia seed over the little, what is it, like a, a cow or something or a dog, and they water the, they put water inside the, the figurine, and then the seeds sprout. It's called a chia pet. Oh, They've been wow. around for years and years. 
<laughs> Another month or so, you see them on TV. Yeah. And uh, but chia seeds are very high in omega three folic acid, which is very beneficial to you. And then flaxseed strengthen your immunity, and they're cleansing uh, to the heart and the uh, arteries. Oh wow! Sunflower seeds nourish the entire body. And uh, and then if you ever get into using mulberries, because you can buy dried mulberry flowers or the berries, hmm. and uh, and they strengthen the liver and the kidneys and they purify the blood. And that's wow. just you know a few of the things. So what I do is I will take walnuts, almonds, Brazil nuts, cashews, and pine nuts, and then I'll take chia seed, flax seed, poppy seeds, sunflower seed, pumpkin seeds sesame seeds, mulberry flowers, and coconut. Mm. And I'll put all, you know, I'll put in portions of all these into a food processor and hit warp speed. So it breaks it all down into a meal. And so instead of eating all these seeds and nuts, it puts it all down into a meal. And then from there, I get a small bowl and I'll put in, um... I don't know, it'd probably be the equivalent of about a half a cup, maybe three-quarters of a cup of whatever flavor yogurt you like. Mm. And uh, and you put the yogurt in the bowl, and then I'll put in uh, between five and six heaping teaspoons of the mixed seeds and nuts, and then I stir it all up in the yogurt, and then I will get an apple, and I put it in the food processor, and I dice it into real small uh, pieces. Mm -hmm. And then I'll put in, on top of the yogurt, after you mix the seeds and nuts with the yogurt, because you want the seeds and nuts to get moistened by the yogurt. So you're not going to eat it right away. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so I put in some diced uh, apple, and then I'll top it off with some blueberries and some raspberries. And uh, and they're usually frozen when I put them on, oh. and so that they just kind of go on top, and then I put the lid on, stick it in my lunchbox, and uh, after you know three four hours, then uh, you can open it up, and then stir all the fruit and everything together with the almond mixed uh, or the uh, the yogurt mixed seed you know combination, and then just eat it, and it, and it goes right down. And, you know, it tastes really good. Yeah. And you're getting all these seeds and nuts all in one without having to go through all the agony of eating all these individually. Yeah. Or taking a, you know, teaspoon of seeds and then having to wash it down. Mm-hmm. And then take another teaspoon of this other kind of seed and washing them down. This way you get them all together. And uh, and it makes a really good meal. Gosh. Yeah. And, uh, and it tastes really good. By mixing, having it mixed with the yogurt and mixing in the fruit, and uh, and then when you look at all the, and you can look it all up and see what the nutritional value is, and all these individual seeds and nuts, and then you know what you're feeding your body, and so every spoon that you take, your body can say, "Cool, thank you very much. This is really good," <laughs> and um, and like I said, it tastes good too. So, again, food for thought. These are just things that, you know, I've been doing over the years and that, uh, 
And I was what made me think about doing talk about it this uh, Saturday because I had to make a new batch of seeds and nests because I used it all up, <laughs> and I had to you know put it all together. And I thought well, this probably be a good thing to share with the listening audience. Yeah, you know, because again, I mean, almost everybody knows how good seeds and nuts are for you, mm-hmm. but nobody takes the time to really eat them because they're not enjoyable to eat you know, and the numbers that you need to really have. And then almost everybody will eat peanuts. But the reality is, you know, peanuts really aren't that good for you. Because mm-hmm. uh, they can be high in aflatoxin, um, which isn't really all that great. So if you do eat a lot of peanuts, be sure to consume and take either some vitamin C powder or some vitamin C tablets. Oh. Uh, because aflatoxin uh, is killed off by vitamin C and so if you do do a lot of peanuts just because you enjoy peanuts yeah. then definitely take vitamin C to counteract the aflatoxin which is oftentimes on the peanut when you eat it yeah oh nice so mm. so with that um, so again uh, if you're looking for some nice creosote or some white sage I found some really cool ones this week and they're in the nursery in stock and um, we're looking pretty good. Oh, thank you so much again for you always bet. giving us such a great show. <laughs> My pleasure. You have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks for listening to The Unique Garden Show, hosted by Mike Branding of Unique Garden Center. Join us again next week at the same time, 8.30 to 9 a.m. with your questions and calls, right here on Z1077. For more information, call Mike at 365-1511.